Hello. Quite often I record these introductions after I've recorded the conversation with the person who I'm interviewing for the podcast. However, it felt really important to capture some thoughts about Lowry Morgan before I speak to her. I've not met Lowry. Um, a wonderful friend of mine, Kath Evans, sent me a message over Instagram to say, there's a Gower girl and she has released a book and she's an ultra runner and you would love her. And all her book tours got cancelled um, because of COVID. So I thought, how how could I help this, this fellow um, Gower girl who is clearly amazing doing these ultra runs and so I reached out to Larry and I said I've got a tiny podcast and would you like to come on it I it's not a lot I can do to help I'm, I hear your book tours have been cancelled but it's a tiny podcast and if you wanted to come on that would be great and Larry wrote back saying yeah that'd be fantastic and um, brilliant and I'll send you a book so I bought a book from her and it's been waiting for me to pick it up and I picked it up and I started reading and oh my gosh she may just be my new girl crush Larry Morgan is blooming phenomenal you will not believe all of the stuff that she has done and I am so excited to speak to her tomorrow morning I really think that this is just going to be mind-blowing um I third Ford winner ultra runner S4C presenter, she represented Wales for women's rugby, just phenomenal. I'm recording this now because I am no, I am going to be overwhelmed when I speak to her tomorrow. I think this is going to be a good one. Let's find out. Oh, and while I remember, just a quick reminder, I am, as I have been with most of the series, filming during lockdown. And so you'll hear some bumps and some noises and visitors because both Lowry and I are at home with our children. So there will be things going on in the background, but I promise you it's worth bearing with them. What a conversation. And welcome to From Inside the Hive with me, Jane Galloway from Quiet the Hive. And I am slightly overwhelmed and awed and awe inspired to be introducing my guest today, who is Lowry Morgan. Let me just give you a taster of Lowry and you can see why I'm feeling so awe inspired. Lowry is a BAFTA winner. She's completed some of the toughest ultras, not in the UK, not in Europe, but in the world, facing extreme conditions in all of the ones that she's done. She um, is one of the few people who's been to see the Titanic in her resting place. She's a nice Ward winner. She's a mum. She has met the Queen. She's been invited to an audience with the Queen. She has overcome incredible physical obstacles. She has lived with a nomadic tribe. She's extraordinary. And also, one other thing that she's done that I'm really interested in is she's run the Vail Coastal Ultra because I was supposed to do that uh, on the 28th of March and we went down into lockdown on the 23rd. So I missed that. So, Larry, it's a delight to have you here. Welcome to you. Thanks ever so much, Jane, for the kind invite to come no, on the podcast. I'm so excited. 
Well, it's wonderful to have you here. And the reason I know all about this is because I'm currently addicted to Larry's book, which is called Beyond Limits, and is an absolutely thrilling encounter of all of those things I've described. Larry, what what are you, I mean, those must be just a few of the things you've accomplished. What do you think you're most proud of, of your adventures that you've said yes to? Oh, goodness, that's a very tough question. Um, I think I'm quite quite proud of them all, to be honest, because they all have something uh, or they all offered something that I never had before. Yeah. Uh, for example, um, with my, uh, let's talk about the big adventures, the long distance adventures that I've done, because there are so many other things that I've done that I'm quite proud of. Um, I think foremost being a mother and uh, becoming a mother to Gwilym. But uh, when it comes, as you said, in the world of adventures, I think the proudest uh, races would have to be the first one, that I did the first ultra marathon I did, uh, which was in the Amazon, uh, called the Jungle uh, Marathon. That was 150 miles in one week. We had to be self-sufficient, carrying 15 kilos on our backs. Uh, we had to wade through swamps full of anacondas, swim across rivers full of piranhas, and uh, run through jungle full of snakes and uh, jaguars. You, you name it. It was quite well to call it tough is an understatement. Um, think if I remember correctly around 40% would only finish the race when I went into it so yes I was I was stepping into the unknown first ever ultra marathon I was so nervous and um, on top of all of that they were filming me uh, running this uh, competition it's on actually at the moment it's on um, SOC and BBC iPlayer if Brilliant. anybody um, after this conversation wants to actually see me doing it um, so just just put in um, should should if you put my name in in search it might it might come up but anyway um, so I was in the jungle 150 miles in a week um, I had a film camera a film crew following me for a documentary where they wanted me to push my extreme sport to another level or, or endurance sport to another level so if I was going to fail, I was going to do it in a very, very public kind of way, not just in front of um, the other competitors, but also in front of thousands of viewers. So um, I was quite nervous going into this race, as you can imagine. Um, so, you know, I'll talk about them more in detail with you later on. But to answer your question, that was a tough one. Um, the other one that I'm really, and I was proud because I, I finished it, uh, 40 percent uh, oh, 150 started only 50 finished and I finished in 10th position I'm very proud of that race not just because I finished it but because I think it was the first time I truly truly felt like giving up during that race and um, I was really proud uh, how I managed to change my mindset in those moments to convince myself not to give up you know I'd lost the toenails uh, I lost my toenails I'd been bitten badly by hornets I had the film crew in you know a camera in my face saying you know how are you feeling and I just did not want to talk to the camera um, and then I convinced myself to to keep going and what happened in that moment uh, when I think my body gave up and my mind took over was quite a spiritual feeling and it got me to the finish line so that's the moment during the jungle marathon that I'm really really proud of but I think that the race that truly takes the prize for being the proudest um, moment would be 
the 6633 Ultra, which was in the Arctic. Um, it was a 350 mile non-stop race. So if you slept over that week of racing, the clock was still ticking. So I must have slept about 12 hours that week. Um, I And that's when I was truly, my soul was truly stripped bare. But it, this race rebuilt it as well. You know, I'd fractured my feet. Um, I was tired. I was hallucinating. I was freezing cold. I was um, in Welsh, we say hirai for... Mm -hmm homesickness but I, I still think the word in Welsh is such a strong word in Welsh language it's not it's homesickness doesn't really um describe it properly is that like that hurt that like um umbilical cord you feel pulling you back um home and I was desperate to, to get back home and again I changed my mindset and the race went from something I was fearful of and um, a race that I was, um, I, I dreaded when I was racing. You know, for example, in, in during the nights, uh, I would walk into these amazing sunsets and I would just be full of fear and I dreaded the race. I would hate the race. I'd, I'd be, be really angry with myself about putting myself in this position uh, when I was, you know, really struggling uh, mentally, physically and emotionally and this amazing sunset, and I wasn't enjoying it. And I was thinking, you know, why am I here? And um, and then I managed to turn those negative thoughts into really positive ones by telling myself, well, actually, Lowry, as the night is drawing closer to you, um, you are actually going to see the northern lights. And the closer you get to the North Pole, the brighter and the longer they will last for you. And by the end of the race, I loved, I was falling in love with this race. I was loving the nights. And 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 I crossed that finish line, only person to finish that race. And, and I think that was the proudest moment of, of my racing career because I had so many opportunities to give up doing that race. Um, and I just didn't. Um, so and a long-winded answer no, to your first question. Extraordinary. And I could listen to you talk for hours, honestly. I just think it's mind-blowing. So I was I was really nervous but excited about doing the Vale um, Vale Coastal, which is 32 miles. Your first ultra, let me just read for people what the instructions. So every every little part of your race, you'd get new instructions, wouldn't you? So it would tell you what to watch out for, how many river crossings there might be, how many swamp crossings there might be, whatever it might be. Um, stage five, the instructions say, watch the piranha and the caimans on the water crossing and the dense population of jaguars in the vicinity of checkpoint four. Face the steepest of climbs and the sharpest of descents. And if you make it out of the forest alive, you can enjoy 40 kilometres on the community trails. Just extraordinary to face that. And then reading about the um, the, the ice trail is, is just, it's moments of glorious overwhelm and 
triumph and heartbreak and very very funny I love the bit about um putting Vaseline around your mouth to avoid you know the wind blast and then finding that your face was coated in sort of fish flakes as you took your your parents oh my gosh so I'm really interested about your parents as well because I'm getting the feeling they're obviously huge role models for you and then they flew out to experience how it would be for you during that race and they did their own research didn't they and found out that dried fish would be a good fuel for you so I love the image of you walking walking incredible vast icy expanse with fish flakes stuck to your face it was um it was I I can laugh now and I I was laughing about it at the time but um yeah my parents uh coincidentally were going to the arctic circle on on um, a cruise with my uh, late aunt and and uncle and um they they've always I've inherited this sense of adventure from them we've been really fortunate that um they really installed a really strong uh, passion for adventure and and adventure it didn't mean you know traveling to the other side of of the world it 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 could often mean just you know going to the local beach and making an adventure out of our trip 5 minutes down the road but um this particular time they were going to the arctic circle and they bumped into um a couple of norwegian special forces um, and they typical them said, you know, my daughter is going, our daughter's going to um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it was most probably my mother who would have started <laughs> the conversation. So she was said, you know, my, my, my daughter's doing this. Have you got any advice? And, and that's actually, I, I've only just realized it now and I've not written it in the book, but I think that's one thing my mother learned. She always hasn't been afraid to ask for help. Mm. You know, she's always um, told me, you know, asking for help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign that you're willing and wanting to improve and, you know, get better or learn. And um, so basically she, typical her, went and said, right, um, what can my daughter do to survive in in the Arctic? And they said, oh, we eat uh, dried fish. So they thought, right, great. So they bought these massive billets of cod, dried cod brought them back and we smashed them all into tiny flakes with this um, hammer and put them into eight bags the race went um, over eight days and um, so we we just the reason why we made them into small flakes is because you 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 can't chew through anything Mm. everything freezes really quickly you know the banana freezes within five minutes so you know you so hence the flakes, small things that I could throw into my face. But because I was on my own, I was throwing these flakes into my into my mouth and enjoying. I nothing against dry cod; it was actually very nice. And I thought, me being me, I thought it's really good protein as well. I was struggling to finding protein um, during my um, uh, research uh, yeah. for food, so I thought brilliant. But as the time went on, I was kind of turning round as I was walking what is that smell i just could not understand where this kind of fishy smell went from this is ridiculous you know i didn't twig i was so tired you know i was sleeping for 20 minutes here 20 minutes there you know going 46 hours non-stop things like this so i was looking around i couldn't see any animals it was completely white i thought you know i don't know what that smell is and eventually another competitor caught up with me and the first thing he said to me is like, all right, fish face. And I was like, what do you mean fish face? He said, 
you've got fish flakes all over your face um, because I'd been putting Vaseline on to you know save the skin from the windburn uh, I not kind of worked out that the fish was also going to into my mouth but also sticking to my face so yes so I, I did have this um, that's one of my lasting memories of the Arctic race was uh, the smell of fish um, <laughs> but to be honest with you it most probably um, did me a favour because you know personal hygiene is 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 nothing out in the Arctic, so it most probably hit a lot of other bad stuff. <laughs> At least you had something to blame it on. Yes. <laughs> so your your voice of your mum pops up quite a lot through your book. Um, so listening to you talk about her asking for help, my my mum um, was always someone who would just don't be embarrassed, just ask. And if you don't ask, you don't get. So she was very much like that as well, much to my terminal embarrassment when I was younger. But actually, I found myself getting quite like that as I'm older. And it yes. opens up all sorts of experiences and opportunities if you ask people, like our conversation today, which is amazing. Um, but her voice features quite strongly. She comes to you at moments of, of real toughness. Is that something that you will you sort of think what would mum say or is it a it just sort of pops into your head spontaneously oh um never thought of it uh like that um it pops into my head it's yeah. as if uh she just um pops in when I, when I least expect it um so most probably subconsciously I do think you know what would she tell me my mother's a very strong lady um very wise lady who has had her ups and downs as well and I think that's why she is such a strong lady because she she's been down she's been up like many of us you know but she's always asked for help and 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 so when I um when I am in those dark dark places um be it m m for me mostly on the trails but you know it happens to me in, in my daily life sometimes um, you know, these the, her words of wisdom do come. I think the one that really comes to um, my mind straight away is the one that she gave me when I went to the jungle, which was um, uh, glory is not by never falling, but in the way we rise when we do fall. Yeah. Um, and that just popped into my head uh, when I was struggling in the jungle. Um, and my feet were, were absolutely killing me and I, <laughs> and I and I use those words I don't use them lightly uh, they were so much in so much pain and um, they were um, I had these tiny cuts and you know it wasn't just me the, the, all the athletes were struggling um, different ways but most of them are very similar to, to my injuries as in knees were hurting joints were hurting but also we'd get these tiny cuts um, on our legs because you know brambles and you know the obstacles and falling all the time in in the jungle but of course because of the terrain and the humidity and, and the, the the area everything became septic very quickly mm. so you'd have this tiny cut and you, you wouldn't be able to see it at the time but you could feel it maybe under your tights running tights and things like that you'd, you'd be like oh I, I must probably have a massive cut and then you'd pull your tights off later on in the day and it'd be like tiny tiny cut <laughs> but it was just because of, of you know we would, would be swimming in the rivers and things like that so they became septic quite quickly and I was giving up and I told myself it's okay to give up Lowry because I had to make it um to the next checkpoint and once I was reaching there it would be fine to give up. I had proven enough as a runner, as a as a an, an ultra runner. I had um, 
gone beyond my limits. Um, as a broadcaster who was presenting the show, I thought, and I was producing the show as well, I thought, do you know what, we've got enough footage to make it into an hour-long documentary, even if I don't finish this race. I just need to think of a really good end piece to camera, something like your Arne Schwarzenegger, um, I'll be back type thing. And hopefully the channel will give me a second series and then I'll work harder, <laughs> as if I couldn't have worked harder for the gender. But, you know, I convinced myself and I told myself, you know, um, courage is about getting up the following day and doing it again, not giving up, you know? Uh, and learning from this experience. So I was fine giving up. Failure um, was okay. Um, it it was, it, in fact, you know, I told myself failure actually makes you appreciate the sweet taste of success. Um, I was giving myself all these kind of, um, um, you know, boosting kind of morale um, kind of talk to myself about you know it's fine to give up and then I got to um I got to the checkpoint um and well ju just before getting to the checkpoint um my mother's voice just kind of boomed that quotation over and I thought right yeah it's not about how many times I fall it's about how many times I pick myself up you know mm -hmm. and I could hear her saying you know get rid of those um leaves scrub get rid of the mud off your off your legs and just keep on going you know forward momentum uh, always important, just keep one baby steps. I could hear them all going in my head. So I made it to that checkpoint and I sat down and on 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 the, the on camera, I think I'm, I don't know, I lost track of time, but I must have been there about half an hour. And and as you've most probably already gathered, I do like to talk and <laughs> I just could not say a word to the camera. And I don't think that they knew what to do because they were all friends of mine. So they knew me but well, and I just sat there, head in my hands, just like this, just looking with these wide eyes, like um, a crazy woman, thinking, oh, I've got nothing, I've got nothing, wow. nothing. I, I can't do another, uh, I had another um, 30 miles of that um, stage to do, and then another 20 miles the following day. So I can't, do, I can't do it, I'm giving up. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I could hear, my father's voice then saying um rest if you must but do not quit and then it was like right yes um and and he did say you know if you're tight if you want to give up sit down and you know work out in your head are you just tired or do you want to quit you know quit don't quit when you're tired quit when you're done mm -hmm. so i was asking myself am i done here and literally within um, two seconds, I went, right, I'm going, that's it. And I switched back into my running mode. And I could hear the other Americans who we kept in touch with while we created this little gang mm. um, to keep us going through this jungle. Um, I could hear them going, she's crazy, she's crazy. <laughs> and I just went. And then slowly something happened. Um, deep within my soul, I started to kind of feel the momentum coming back, the smile coming back, the pain was disappearing. I remember knocking my feet on the floor. Um, I had no pain left. And I'm convinced, like I said earlier, this was where my body gave up and my mind took over. Yeah. And it literally carried me towards the finish line. It was it was such a, an a euphoric feeling. Um, 
and I think, and I go around schools and I talk to children about it because I feel quite passionate about it, about telling them, you know, we're not all perfect. You know, we will all fail on our route to success. So, you know, we'll all have to take a step back sometime. But, you know, if you just keep plodding, if you keep going, you know, you will keep going and you will eventually get to the finish line. Mm. So I was telling myself this and, um, and before I knew it, you know, I, this, this surge of energy came from deep within the soul. I was finding a sixth, seventh gear, an eighth gear, and I was feeling, I was flying, you know. I was like, this is amazing. And, um, and I've always, like I said, I tell the children, when you think that that petrol or the fuel tank it yeah. gets to the red, and I say, what does that mean? They say, oh, it was empty, it's empty. I say, no, it's not quite empty. There's still an emergency amount left there to get you home just in case. So remember, when we get to the empty part of our tank, there's always a little bit extra left. And, and, I, and that's what I try to tell them, and that's how I try to simplify um, my emotions and what I've learned to them. Um, yes, but it, the words of my parents just keep popping up all the time. Um, the medics, you know, they don't like what I'm doing, as in, um, maybe that's not the right words. It's they they are full of fear when I do yeah, these things. Yeah. Um, uh, they've always been, and and they worry about what I'm doing to my body, maybe my 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 knees, especially after my operations and, and things like that. I have a heart issue as well, and they do worry. Um, and any, and it's quite, which is completely natural when you put yourself in in extreme um, conditions but they've never stopped me they've never stopped me they've always said if you if you want to stop stop and we'll be behind you uh, if you want to stop but you know don't push yourself too hard that it, you know you push yourself too hard yeah Just, you know always be a sensible runner and, and I think I try to be that um, especially after finding about that, um, my heart issue because I might need a pacemaker and for years and my knee has got screws and plates galore. Um, so I've always, and I think listening to my body over the years has helped my running career in a way. It's, it's made it uh, last far longer than I thought it ever would. Um, and, and that is thanks to my parents, really. It's extraordinary, isn't it? If you think about how much you've done and how much you have physically and mentally pushed yourself, and yet, as you've described and as you described so beautifully in the in the book, you know, you you were um, correct me if I get this wrong, but you were playing rugby for the Welsh universities and Welsh students when you stuffed your knee up the first time, yes. and that has come back time and again to haunt you, and you've still managed to achieve these incredible things. As you said, that they um, there was the uncovery of a of a heart condition when you were in training as well, and you managed despite that. Um, you've spoken in the book about um, eating disorders as well, and about a choroidal nevus on your retina as well. So, so you are doing these things despite, in spite, or perhaps because of all of these conditions that could actually be a really legitimate reason to say, do you know what? No. And it would be absolutely legitimate at that point to say, this was a fun career and I really enjoyed this and I've accomplished loads, but I'm going to step back now and just concentrate on the presenting or whatever it might be. But your perseverance is quite extraordinary. I think 
running has helped me overcome a lot of my challenges. I think that's what's um, the reason why um, I have developed this mental attitude um, towards the challenges I've faced off the trails. Um, you know, when they found about my uh, nevus in my eye, um, you know, initially they thought it was it was um, far serious. Well, it could not still be, but um, at the time they thought it was um, uh, cancerous, and um, and I had to wait because I'd never had my eyes tested before. Uh, they had to wait to see if it was growing, so that took a few um, months. Um, and so during that time, you know, you think you know might lose your eye. Um, your sight, then your eye, and whatever, and um, and and I thought about it, and I thought quite hard um, about what life would be like uh, without an eye, and I thought, you know, I'll I'll just overcome it, like like I've overcome um, my races. I'll I'll do it one step at a time. Um, I don't know how I'll react. It's quite easy for me to sit here and tell you how I'd react because nobody knows how one is going to um, cope with these scenarios. So I will just take it one day at a time. Um, I will live for the moment. I will, um, and if worst comes to the worst, I will start to run again. And I will find, I will find an outlet for my for my frustration, for my disappointment, or whatever I'm feeling, for that those negative thoughts, I will I will find something, and that's what I find about running. When you know, even when I was a child, if I was in a mood, you know, my teenage mood, my dad would say, "Just go out for a run now," and I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to go for a run," and I'll stomp out, and then I'd come back even 20 minutes later, thinking, you know, what, what was I upset about earlier? And um, and and I still try to grab hold to that reason why I I started running in the first place mm -hmm. um so i've always found running to be my answer to um a lot of the problems so when things have um not gone the way that i hoped um i don't always go for a run <laughs> um to to shake it off but i do try to draw on the experiences that i've learned in the past and use them um to help me so um, lockdown for example when lockdown started you know I started to panic um, I was reading as many people did um, you know reading too much twitter and yeah. um, reading um, negative news um, that that maybe wasn't official um, then I was worrying about my uh, parents my family members my vulnerable friends and family um, and you know how we were going to cope, how I was going to cope with homeschooling, and I was training, and I was working. So all these things are going around my head, and then I had to tell myself, right, stop it, Lowry. What would I do in a race? Don't think too far ahead, Lowry. I was telling myself, like uh, in a, in a hundred mile race, you don't think of it. I don't think of it as a hundred mile race. I would think of it sometimes as um, you know five sets of 20 miles or four sets of marathons and that's how I would do it so I would tick one marathon off and then do a second marathon um I would always break things into smaller chunks I would never think of it in in the end so with the lockdown I cut it down into one day you know today I will just concentrate on today and I will do all of this today tomorrow is another day let's not think too far ahead yeah that helped me a lot um and 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 that's how 
how I've been in, in life in general, really. Um, and, and I've got a lot of that to thank uh, running and, and being able to push my boundaries. You know, I I think I write in the book about, um, I've learned that, and, and that, I use the word, um, the title Beyond Limits, and I had a long list of, of um, titles, and I just, I thought Beyond Limits, because I use that quite a lot, and I thought, you know, maybe I've used it too much, and, and but I just kept going back to it, because it's such a strong, um, strong title for, for me personally, because that's what I've done constantly. I've just always tried to chip away at a limit. Um, so uh, with running, you know, I get to the ultimate limit of my endurance and I think I can't go any further. The heart's pounding, the legs may be okay, but, that, you know, the mind's tired, I want to go home. And I'll go, oh, you know, this is not right. And the body's saying, stop, loudly, stop, this is not natural. And then you'll get to that limit. And then you think, oh, I've, I've not broken. I'm, I'm, my limit hasn't broken. I'm, I'm kind of still going. Oh, oh, my limit is bent. You know, it bends, it doesn't break. Um, and that's one thing I'm going through at the moment. I'm, I'm cycling a lot more now because my knees... Um, I'm trying to think long term about. Um, I've just said not to think long term, but when it comes to my, <laughs> my 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 knee, I'm thinking long term. I want to, you know, carry on running with my son. So um, I've been told I need to change um, my. Um, here he comes. There he is. Um, but um, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> William's helping the uh, everybody outside. Oh, he's bringing, oh, come and say hello to Jane. Hello, Jane. Hi, Gwilym. How are you? I need to go back to work. Okay, good boy. Have fun. Have, oh, okay. <laughs> he's so cute. Oh, he's lovely. Uh, he bought me this only because he wanted one himself. <laughs> they know exactly what they're doing. But um, um. Uh, what was I saying? Um, the planning for the how do you protect? Oh yeah, long term. So yeah, so um, I've been told that the knee, you know, is not great, um, and if I do carry on running the mileage that I do run, you know, I, I, my knee will be gone. Um, so I've started to cycle, and I'm not a great cyclist. But, you know, I'm enjoying breaking those tiny limits. They're yeah. not massive limits at the moment. But, you know, the, the, um, I'm, I'm getting a kick out of seeing me chipping away and, and slowly, slowly getting past it. There are times when I get quite frustrated because my cycling is an, on a completely different level to my running. So I'm, I'm way down at the bottom. And, you know, I'm coming last in, in, on my Zwift races. But the other day... Um, I, I put it on my Instagram. Um, my son comes up and sees me on the bike and uh, supports me on the bike, and he quite enjoys that. And uh, I came off with the bike, I hardly speak. And I said to him, uh, Oh, mum came last, Willem came last. And he said, um, He said, Did you win? I said, No, I came last. I said, He said, But did you do your best? Yes, I did your best. I did my best. Well, you are a winner then. Oh, and God I, That is true. And he said the same to me when I was doing the Dragon's Back Race when I spoke to him over the phone. 
you are a winner if you do your best if you are the best version of you then you are a winner and I've always remembered that you know and that's come from a five-year-old and um so sometimes I try to um take some wisdom from from a absolutely I think sometimes when we grow up to be adults we forget about the wisdom of 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 childhood really you know that how he saw it mm-hmm. um and and I've learned not to be too hard on myself you know if I have a bad day training or uh, in anything else uh, um you know I'm quite competitive against myself more than against other people and I can get quite frustrated um and then I have to you know a few seconds later tell myself right it's gone move on and just learn from your mistake or just work harder or whatever. And as you say, persevere. Um, I think I am uh, a grafter. That's one thing. Um, I've never been the top of the class in anything. Um, but that's that's actually maybe the reason why I have maybe been um, successful in, in some of these races yeah. because um, I've had to work. Um, it's made me hungry. It hasn't come easy to me. Um, you know, as a presenter, I had to work harder on, you know, speaking Welsh and on my presentation um, than I feel the others did because, you know, they, um, and, you know, I just had to, and they were so inspirational, you know, and very good friends of mine. Um, you know, I'd been uh, living abroad for a while, hadn't been speaking Welsh for a while, and then I came back to Wales and, you know, I, I had to, Get, get back to thinking in Welsh and, and speaking um, in Welsh in front of the camera and live television. And, you know, I was so insecure about being in front of the camera. So, you know, I had to work hard there. Um, but I think now I appreciate all the jobs that I've had since then because I've had to work hard for it. Yeah. There's, some, there's some real nuggets that are applicable, not just to incredible ultra runners and uh, presenters and, but, Day to day, there's something about, so on, on my Instagram, every Sunday, my community come along and they say, here are three small things I'm going to do this week that will get me closer to my bigger vision. So there's something about having that big vision, but breaking it down into tiny steps. So you saying about the ultra made me smile because I, I did my first ever marathon a couple of years ago. I did the Newport Marathon yeah. and I decided at the at, when I started, I thought, right, this is just a half marathon, a 10K and two park runs. That's all it is. And every time I got to the end of one of those, I'd be able to tick it off. And by the end, I was going, it's just a park run. It's just a park run. Less than a park run. But it, it's amazing, isn't it? Because you don't get to the point where you think, oh, my God, I've still got however many miles to go. You think it's just it's this. And I've done this before and it's OK. So you can break it down. There's also something about being kind to yourself as well and noticing the things that you do accomplish. So even even if you'd have got to whatever stage in the jungle and step back, oh my gosh, what an accomplishment. But that also spurs you on to be your best, doesn't it? And to try your hardest. And then we were talking before we started recording about, we were talking about how my my boys and, and Grillem have cope during lockdown and we were saying that children are very much in the moment they just focus on the here and now and they really do do things step by step don't they they're just they're not worrying about anything else they're just focused on the here and now and I think that is so valuable I think that can really help people when they're when they're stuck and they don't know what to do and they're worrying about things that may never happen being in the moment can be so helpful I think I you've hit the nail on the head so true and I think that we forget how important baby steps are mm. we just get swept away with the fast-paced life that we all lead these days 
you know, struggling to juggle. Um, you know, we've got so many responsibilities these days. Um, we can't step away from work because we've always got the laptop or we've always got the phone um, or whatever. Um, and I and I look at Gwilym and I remember looking at him before he could walk and he wanted to look out through a window and he was um, a baby and he was on the bed and the determination that he had just to crawl over all the cushions and the soft toys just to get to the end of the bed where the window was just to look out and I remember looking and thinking that's determination that's perseverance because of the goal that he had he wanted to look out through the window and when I do give up or when I want to give up um, I remind myself my own goal. What do I want out of this? Um, if it's the A game, for example, if it's um, if it's the race that I've been training for really, really hard for, I will remind myself I'm doing it for my family mm -hmm. because they've supported me. They've sacrificed a lot of things to get me here. Um, I've sacrificed a lot of time as well as in be kind to yourself, you've given yourself a lot of time. Think about how disappointed you will be, how you'll feel when you don't finish and how great you will feel if you do finish. Yeah. Um, and I think about, you know, emotions on that finish line. I think about um, why I'm doing it in the first place. You know, do it for charity. I do it for uh, to better myself mentally and physically. But I also do it because it's my passion. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, as you would most probably know, Jane, yourself, even during a, a marathon or a 5K park run, you will go through times when you're thinking, oh, this is hurting. I need to give up. Oh, yeah. And then you tell yourself, just keep going. Have patience. Have faith in yourself. Let the legs tick over. You know, if you want to slow down, you can slow down. Nobody is forcing you to carry on and nobody is stopping you from either. And it's all about you. It's all about that moment. How much do you want it? How much are you willing to dig really deep into, sometimes into a pit that's not that comfortable just to get what you want? And I think when we do push ourselves to that point where we've got nothing left, we're beyond empty, you will find talents and abilities you never knew you had. You will surprise yourself and that reward for pushing yourself to that limit whatever it is you know it's not just on the running fields or mountains it, it would give you such great um self-awareness self-confidence and for somebody who not necessarily had it in bundles um as a youngster and i still don't have it these days but i'm able when i do have those moments when i'm maybe struggling I look back at that Arctic race, for example, and tell myself, I got myself through that by baby steps, by just putting one step after another. There were so many times when I could have given up, but I just kept going. And, and those experiences are so important to use in life um, in general, um, if that makes sense. You know, when this is, I use them as pops of memories in the back of my mind so when I do this I, I pull you know this memory out from when Absolutely. I park run um, or this particular memory and the other thing that it's taught me as well these baby steps it's taught me patience I didn't necessarily have it when I was younger 
I struggled with it. Um, you know, I wanted something now. And yeah. um, and if I didn't have it now, I, I'd give up on it. And then I'd pursue another um, course. Um, and one example was my marathon running. You know, I got down to three hours eight. And then I had a letter saying, you know, your next year you will be in the um, British Championships. And I thought, oh, I don't think I can go that far. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm full of fear. I won't do it. And yeah. I gave up. And I just went off to do something else. Now, looking back, I don't regret things because I think mistakes are just lessons to be learned mm-hmm. from. Um, so I don't like the word regret. But um, in this circumstance, anyway, but I wish maybe at that time I had maybe asked for help, gone to a club, gone to a runner and say, look, I've done 308. I'm really scared of going into the British Championship because I don't think, you know, I'd be against elites and, you know, I'm afraid of coming last and blah, blah, blah. I wish I'd gone for help and somebody to say, look, do this, do this, go to a club, join, you know, a running team, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't do it. So, you know, since then, I've learned patience. I've learned about that, um, being humble enough to ask for help. Don't mm-hmm. worry. If if somebody sees it that as a sign of weakness, so be it. Yeah. So be it. Uh, for me, I, from now on, and I do it all the time, even presenting, I will say, what do you think? What What about this question? And sometimes somebody will say, well, you know, that's a silly question. But then somebody else might say, well, actually, that's a good question. So it's, it's worth doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, um, Yes, I'm going off tangent now again. It's fine, it's fine. I was just, I was thinking that, um, so you you talked a bit about remembering your passion and I think that's about linking it to purpose, isn't it? So it's so much easier to stay committed and focused to something when you can identify what the purpose is. So I I think a lot of people who will be listening um, are... I know or loosely or personally through um, an organization called This Mum Runs, which is a social enterprise getting women out and running. And I don't know about anyone else who's who's listening, but the reason I started running, um, I came to it quite late, but it was purely an excuse to get 30 minutes away from the children. That was it. So that's why I started and I did the Couch to 5K. And I know that a lot of women, it, it's quite, it feels like quite a big step, you know, you have to remember that everyone was a beginner at some stage. So, you know, you've completed these incredible experiences, but the time was when you took your first step as a runner. You know, it, and and I talk about it in the book, you know, and I yeah. and I talk about it when I had the um the the knee accident, they told me I wouldn't be able to run again. You know, yeah. I had to and you would know these trails um because we come from the same area. Um I used to run along Caswell and Langland, the trail there. Favorite one lamppost to another, you know, and and I would walk. I I couldn't run. I would walk on my crutches. Then I'd go back. A month later, I would say, right, I'm going to walk to the second lamppost and back. Uh, Then I would, you know, go. I won't go into detail, but you'll know all about the ups and downs of of that um, particular route between Caswell and, and Langland. And I would go and I would just do them in tiny, tiny steps. And before I knew it, I was building up resilience as well as endurance and after them telling me I wouldn't be able to run again three years after I I had taken up the challenge of uh, running a marathon not because I was competing against other people because I was competing against myself Mm. with the again with the um, um, 
ultramarathon, I remember phoning my boss up in tears because I'd only run 40 miles that week and telling him, how on earth am I going to run 150 miles in a week uh, in extreme conditions? Um, but after a year of plodding and just increasing my mileage slowly, slowly, I was running 100 miles a week. By the time I got to the Amazon, uh, the Arctic, sorry, I was running 150 miles a week. But then I became pregnant. Um, I kept running with Willem uh, in my stomach. Um, I only started running after um, I, I had the okay because I was an older mother. Um, so it was lots of, um, I was worried, etc. as we all are. Um, and I started running, uh, pulled off my watch and just went slowly. I was still doing about five miles, but it was like run, walk, run, walk, and some run, crawl, whatever it took. But <laughs> I was doing more for my, and like the doctor said, if I was happy running, then my baby would be happy running. Okay. And um, and after having Gwilym, I, I was lucky. I was back running after two weeks. And I thought, right, first run, I was like, right, I've been running uh, 30 miles a week slowly, but, you know, I'll be fine. And I went out running. I only had about two miles um, in, in my mind. I, I couldn't run a mile. And I remember um, I moved back to live with my parents uh, at the time because um, we were having the house done. And, and I, I walked back and I was like, I have run 350 mile races. I cannot run 800 meters. And, but I told myself, just consistency, Lowry. Just keep going. Yeah. We'll have bad days. But you will always be stronger, faster than yesterday. So do it. And before I knew it, when William was uh, 10, 12 months, I was back running the Vale Ultra that um, you were hoping to do before lockdown, which is a wonderful race, uh, by the way. And I loved it. And I was strong, you know. I, it took me by surprise. I thought, I'm just going to go and enjoy it. But I felt so strong. I think because of... Um, body but also most of my running um was spent pushing William in the pram and having one of those running buggies was one of the best things I ever did to give me independence and to also give me um time uh, with 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 William and the dog but also um my own time as well like you were saying because yeah. William at that age was sleeping quite a lot so I could go off into my own little mind and and it was the best thing, and I would really recommend if somebody wants to start running, I would really recommend that because it really helped me a lot. But you know, slowly, slowly, I built back from that as well. So it's all relative speaking, but it's it's true for everybody. And I want to challenge that perception that only extraordinary people can do extraordinary things. It rather it's the ordinary people that do the most extraordinary things. And, and I really believe that, and I've seen that as a as a broadcaster, as and as a as a runner. Um, I have seen people um, as a, as a broadcaster on um, marathons and um, a lot of races. Seeing, I'm inspired by seeing the fastest runners cross the finish line, but I'm also inspired by seeing the last groups of of people crossing that line. You know, they're not ultra athletes; they haven't got a team of you know trainers behind them they they haven't got the time to train all the time they're multi-juggling more than anybody else and yet yet they're out there running half a marathon 
four times longer out on the course than the fastest and they still do it and do you know what i walk away thinking they are the ones who inspire me because i'm often asked who, who inspires me you know and they expect me to mention these big names and they do these people are very inspirational but the ones who truly inspire me are these the ordinary people you know the, the people who haven't got the time to you know spend all day training and have the team the people who do push their own boundaries because boundaries are only relative aren't they yeah. um and um i i i always walk away from those races and and ultra races especially feeling completely humbled and completely inspired uh, by seeing people just because they want that goal yeah. because they work so hard for it because that goal they, you can see them that finish line is their goal and they will persevere and they will be um they will you know sacrifice a few things just so that they can get that goal be it a park run or one mile or even you know a 10 minute jog you know it's about getting it's so personal isn't it it's like you were saying earlier about your you know your mum and dad encourage that sort of um spirit of adventure within you but it's it's not about not every adventure has to be about an arctic race or a jungle race you know it's whatever your boundaries are and whatever is going to push your limits and it's it's what you commit to and kids are um exceptional like that so i i went to um a wonderful festival last year called yesterval which is all about people saying yes and getting themselves out of the comfort zone if you haven't come across the yes tribe lowry you'd love them so have a look i will i will they're brilliant um but i met a wonderful woman there and they have people up on stage talking about the adventures they've done and she said she'd gone the previous year with her daughter and they'd listened to um, a family talk about how they had sold everything. They'd put their kids on the back of a bike and cycled around Europe for a year. And her daughter turned to her and said, Mummy, why aren't you on stage talking about our adventure? And, she, and Ruth was thinking, well, what, what, what adventure are you talking about? And she, and she just was talking about how sometimes they get up really, really early and they put the barbecue in the back of the car and they go and have a picnic on the beach. And that for her is the biggest adventure. So it's whatever your definition of adventure is and whatever pushes your pushes you out of your comfort zone is growth, isn't it? Exactly. It's about walking out of the door and thinking, do you know what? I'm not going to turn left today. I'm going to turn right. Yeah. And 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 that that can be an adventure in itself. It's it's um it's a mental process, I think. Um, you know, we especially during lockdown, we've been trying to think of different adventures. For, for Gwilym, mm -hmm. but we've been having just as much fun, you know, um, and, and right on our doorstep, you know, we're, um, we're not allowed to travel further than five miles here. So it's, you know, we, we've come across this, and I'm, I'm hearing it from a lot of people. People are coming across these amazing places uh, around um, our, our, our five mile radius, mm. and because of, we are looking for adventure. And I think, um, adventure is only a state of mind yeah that's a beautiful way of putting it it really is I I have used up so much of your time and I'm so grateful to you it's been just amazing I just wanted to ask you one last question so for people who are feeling really nervous about saying yes to getting outside of their comfort zone what advice would you give them that will help them to just say maybe that first yes or take that first step don't be afraid of the unknown. 
um, you know, every journey starts with a single step. And that single step is the most scariest step of all of the journey. Uh, and I am talking from experience. There were so many times when during the races, um, especially during the build-up towards these big races, when the camera crews were following me, and I knew there was so much expectation on me. Money had been spent in producing, you know, features, etc., for the documentary. And I thought, I'm, I'm really scared of failing. I'm really scared of failing, and um, and I'm, I'm scared of taking that first step into the unknown. I'm so glad that I didn't bottle it. Um, I'm so glad that I just told myself, no, keep taking that next step, and then that next step. And it has opened a whole new world um, to me. You know, I now can call myself an author. Um, I now can call myself an ultra runner. Um, I've traveled the world just by taking that one scary first step into the unknown. Don't be afraid of it. Also, don't be afraid of what you can achieve. I think we have to remind ourselves how powerful our minds are. Mm and how far we can go if we've got the right mental attitude and and i'm certainly i've failed so many times because i've i've had the wrong attitude or mental attitude and i've allowed that negative attitude to take over and stop myself from taking that next step further so have faith in yourself have patience it doesn't come overnight just keep plodding through because the prodders do get there in the end. They do indeed. Larry, thank you so much for your time. This has been extraordinary. I could literally listen to you for hours. I've got so many more questions in my head. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to give you back your afternoon and thank you so much for your time. If people wanted to buy your book, where would they be able to get hold of that? There are many different ways of getting the book. It's being um, there's a second edition already. So oh. after six weeks of um, being out there it's already sold out which has made me completely overwhelmed um, and <laughs> because I really thought only mum and dad would buy the book to support their little girl um, so thank you everybody who's who has read the book uh, so you can either get in touch with me on social media mm-hmm. so I'm on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Larry Morgan and I am selling um, signed copies um, of the book because obviously book launches are not happening so book signings are not happening uh, neither are book tours so I kind of um, had to it was it was a last minute thing I sent a text out um, a, a, a tweet out sorry saying I've got 10 copies left if anybody wants a copy um, you know a signed copy just let me know well, 450 copies later, I'm still sending them out. So uh, you, you're most welcome to get in touch with me on Instagram or um, on Twitter. Like I said, underscore at, at underscore <laughs> um, Or uh, I am on Facebook, uh, so you can get in touch with me there, Lowry Morgan. Um, or, of course, you've got your uh, normal uh, places of uh, your local bookstores. Amazon um, and Waterstones, etc. One thing I would like um, to ask if people do enjoy the book or not, I would be so grateful if they could leave um, a review um, on um, Amazon or whatever they, they bought the book. 
I appreciate that because that does help authors make their books more discoverable, especially during this time when um, the normal ways of, of um, supporting your book. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, but yes, so, but most, you know, you can get in touch with me, uh, social media, and as, as I'm doing at the moment, I'm telling people, because I don't have any books at the moment because they've sold out. There is a second edition um, that could be arriving next week. So some people are willing to wait for that signed copy. Um, others will go straight to a, to a, a bookstore to get it straight away. So it's, it's up to you. Perfect. We could drop all of the um, details in the show notes so people can find that. Larry is absolutely worth a follow on Instagram. She's incredible. And I cannot recommend the book highly enough. Larry was the reason that I got to bed after midnight last night because I just can't put it down. I keep just reading just one more page, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. It's just extraordinary. Thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what adventures um, come your way next. Oh, and we'll drop in the... um, uh, the link to iPlayer as well, so people can watch the documentary. Oh, yes, now. It's not, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Please tell me you can see why I've got a girl crush on her. She's just phenomenal, and I honestly could have listened to her for hours. Those 57 minutes went by in an absolute flash. In Larry's book, she shares Nell's nine life rules. And I wanted to close with those. Nell is Larry's gorgeous dog and um, she accompanies her on her runs with her and Gwilym. And she's got some wisdom to share. Number one, live in the moment. Number two, don't hold grudges. Number three, play every day. Number four, jump for joy when happy. Number five, accept yourself. Number six, enjoy the journey. Number seven, drink plenty of water. Number eight, love unconditionally. And number nine, be loyal and dependable. Wisdom indeed throughout from Lowry and from Nell. I hope you enjoyed it. Speak soon. If you enjoyed this podcast from Inside the Hive by Quiet the Hive, then please leave us a five-star rating or drop us any comments in the box below. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Any comments or ratings you give us all help other people who would benefit from the content to find us. Thanks so much.